Computer, add instrumental accompaniment. On to the chorus. Together now. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Deep Space Love. I am Nicole, one of your hosts. And I'm Joe Prasca, one of your other hosts. And we're a Trekkie couple exploring love in the final frontier. So thank you for coming back, for returning listeners. And if you are brand new, this is your first episode. It's going to be a great one. Welcome. With us today, uh, so we're the Trekkie couple, but we are joined today by a fellow fan and Trekkie. Um, He's also an actor and writer. He's been in many projects, including... The Magicians, uh, The Flash, and also um, has had the distinguished awesomeness to be in a Star Trek show. He was in Star Trek Picard and, in fact, was ranked as one of Star Trek.com's top 10 space scoundrels. So that's pretty cool. And most recently, uh, he you can find him in Dr. Death. Welcome, Dominic. Hi. How's it going? It's great. We're good. good. How are Thank you? Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on here. It's a pleasure. And yeah. Yeah. Anytime I get to talk about Star Trek is a a jolly old time. It's fun to chat with you again, Dominic, for eagle eared listeners who are just a fan of, I guess, I guess my podcast. I don't know. We, uh, we chatted before on Frankenstein's podcast in the past. So it's, it's fun to, fun to chat again. Absolutely. And similar to Frankenstein's podcast, there's a couple guest, guest, (laughs) excuse me, (laughs) guest questions. (laughs) That uh, we came up with that we thought would be just kind of fun to establish just, you know, just for fun and uh, just kind of establish, uh, you know, kind of your love for Trek. Um, not that you have to establish it. I just meant like. <laughs> <laughs> Explain yourself. It's There's, all for funsies. It's all for fun. Let's just, just keep it at that. Um, okay. So first, why do you love Star Trek? Uh, gosh, I love, for so many reasons, I always have just loved sci-fi in general and I think I enjoy the moral dilemmas that were posed. You know, it, it did a great job of self-contained episodes where there was a problem and a resolution and it wasn't always violence. And it, it transcended genre. It could tell different kinds of stories from week to week. And I like the ensemble aspect that it's not just driven by one character per se, that it is multiple characters that we get to explore. And um, yeah, it just feels like now, especially, you know, during the times of COVID, it's it's been a comfort to just put it on in the background and it's comforting in a way. But it's always kind of been like that. I would get home from school and I would do it uh, homework while Next Generation was on in the background. And yeah, it's just... Uh, it's, I feel like it's been a part of my life for so long. Comfort, for sure. I remember when I was working um, in a hospital laboratory, I was not a huge fan of that job. And it was pretty stressful. I worked second shift. And it, 
was very busy all the time. And every time, every night I'd get home and I'd be like, let's just put on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was just like a nice escape. It's like an old friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I tore through next generation and, and Voyager during COVID. And then I did a, um, I wasn't as familiar with deep space nine. So I did that. Uh, from beginning to end, but I sat down and I made sure that my phone was to the side so I could fully invest in that. So that was really nice too. Yeah, for sure. So I guess that that kind of launches into the next question. Um, your either your favorite, or if it's hard to pick a favorite, just like your home base uh, show or crew in Star Trek. It's Voyager. I know that's a controversial answer, maybe because I feel like people might be expected to say it's got to be the original or it's got to be next gen. Um, But Voyager was the first Star Trek show that I watched from pilot to finale as it aired on TV. Um, Next generation was already in repeats and on BBC two and on sky one and five days a week. And so Voyager for me was the first show that felt like, appointment tv where i was like oh can't do anything on monday night at eight o'clock because that's voyager um and i would get excited for the cliffhangers that where there was a three-month hiatus and I'd be like oh they're gonna get <laughs> off this planet um just like that uh so yeah it's for, for me it's voyager and i i like the you know the ongoing mission of trying to to get home uh underneath that as well so yeah voyager, voyager is my show that's awesome. I mean, I feel like you can like, yeah, whatever show, you know, um, is anyone's home base, but um, we love Voyager. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and yeah. the last question for you um, would be if you could go on a date with a Star Trek character and it doesn't have to be romantic if that's not an angle you want to have. It could just be a platonic, like grab a beer, coffee with a, you know, as, mm-hmm. as friends. But if you could go on a date with a Star Trek character, any of them, who would you, who would you choose? I would go on a coffee date uh, with Captain Janeway. There's coffee in that nebula. <laughs> That's perfect. I think, gosh, I thought about this. You know, you you uh, you ask these questions, and then for for me as as an actor, I feel like the lines blur, and I'm like, oh man, I would love to sit down with Kate Mulgrew or Robert Picardo <laughs> or Patrick Stewart, and and the lines get blurred between the character. And the actor, because I, you know, I'd want to ask from all points of view, uh, but that was hard for me to choose. Well, it sounded like you were very confident in that answer. So, <laughs> yeah, um, Captain Jamie. Yeah, yeah, great choice. All right, Joe, do you want to give? Uh, um, so we mentioned we're going to be talking about a Voyager episode. We are before. Um, before we uh, we dive into that, I did I did kind of want to just mention. So for those listening, if you wanted to check out uh, Dominic, your role in Star Trek Picard, episode five, Stardust City Reg, mm-hmm. um, and you play Mister Vup. Can I, I can you indulge me in like just like a like a small second of like geeking out? Do yeah, go for it. Will you do the Mister Vup voice? Oh boy, oh, I have to readjust Show. how I'm sitting because I have to. Uh, <laughs> you gotta prepare. I have to. Getting my voice really deep. Oh, and there it is. It's hard to do because I have the prosthetic teeth in as well, yeah. and so that really changes the the way that my mouth and tongue move. Uh yeah. There we go. That was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that was. It. it was so interesting. Um, the the audition process was so 
fraught for me because I, I love Star Trek and so I was hyped up already. And then um, they didn't tell me what alien race it was going to be. And I was walking around in circles in my living room going, well, if it's a Ferengi, it's going to be very different than if it's a Klingon. And if it's not a Klingon and it's a Cardassian, that's going to be a very different read than if it's a Borg. And um, it wasn't until I got into the audition room that they were like, oh, you're like this huge new lizard guy. So do whatever you want to do. Um, yeah, fun times. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I remember you did the voice when we were on Frankenstein's podcast and I had to like retain, remain my, like re- keep like my composure. So I was like, I'm saving my geeking out for this Star Trek. Yeah. Podcast. Well, thanks. Thanks for indulging me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So as you were saying, Nicole, we are, we did uh watch a Voyager episode for this podcast. We watched season five, episode 21, uh, someone to watch over me. Is it 21? Uh, I had 21. Did you have something different? Oh, it is 22. <laughs> so you got me. Season five, episode 22. My bad. Uh, synopsis is the doctor teaches seven of nine the art of dating. Neelix unwittingly provides forbidden food and drink to the ambassador ambassador of a monastic monastic society monastic colony. My gosh, I butchered that. But <laughs> you get the gist. <laughs> and this was directed by um, Voyager cast member Robert Duncan McNeil as yeah. well. Oh, I didn't notice that on the rewatch. I uh, normally I pay attention to the um, who the director is. That's great. It's kind of cool because I, I feel like it made me think a little bit differently every time I saw Tom Paris on screen because he kind of plays a pretty strong secondary role in this episode. So I'm like, it's interesting to think about like how he, how he's like directing like himself in this too. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think of the episode? Dom, Dom you want to go first? Yeah, I um I really enjoy this episode. I remember liking it first time through, and anytime you know I do a rewatch, I I always in, enjoy this, um, particularly because. I am very, well, I say very back in the day when I was 14, 15 doing GCSE drama, we studied Pygmalion uh, a lot, which, you know, feeds into the storyline a lot. You know, George Bernard Shaw and uh, Eliza Doolittle and Henry Higgins and that kind of relationship. Um, So I remember the first time I saw this episode sort of guffawing me like, ha ha, they're doing Pygmalion or My Fair Lady, if you're more familiar with that. Um, so yeah, that, that was interesting. And then I Wikipedia'd it and I had no idea that Pygmalion was based on Greek myth and it goes back way further, but we might get to that a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, it's a good solid episode. What do you think, Nicole? It is probably one of my top favorite episodes of Voyager and it's just so bittersweet it's hard not to like it it's charming but it is also hilarious and funny um even yeah i don't know about you but on rewatches yeah like still laughing at some of the the funny things going on um between seven and paris and the doctor and also the b plot with neelix and the ambassador is also i don't know it's hilarious (laughs) so it's um it's got a little bit of everything and even though it's not very I mean, I guess you could argue the fact that like Seven is a, a former Borg and the Doctor is a hologram um, as characters, like the background of their characters. But otherwise, there's not a whole lot of like sci-fi in this. It's more about the 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 relationships, the characters, the human aspect of of Star Trek. So it really focuses in on that. There's no space battles or like you know antagonism or antagonist. It really um, just sort of the the tension you know between feelings and characters. So. I think that's one thing that it makes it really enjoyable. 
I would have to agree with you on that. It's um, it's yeah, it's a very like personal story, and it's not not a lot of big sci-fi ideas, which is kind of fun. Um, I think the the amount of like really touching moments is almost understated. Like this, there's just so many like really sweet like just segments where I'm I'm, I'm just like grinning the entire time watching it and there's a lot of good humor i know that sometimes star trek and humor hasn't always meshed the best in the past but i feel like this just nailed it really well um the story is is great it's emotional like like uh like dominic you were saying this the pygmalion story i i read that too i i feel like the reference point for me i don't know nicole you might have felt the same way was i I kept thinking of the movie she's all that which is also Mm. pygmalion like remake of that kind of a movie where like they make a wager on whether or not they can like make this girl pretty in the movie but in this case it's like the wager about making seven like have a good have a good date at the event um but uh yeah I, I you can see the influences of like the kind of storytelling influences that this has but i feel like they still were able to put kind of a cool like unique spin on it that that just made it meaningful and like it felt very star trekky mm-hmm. you know in all of it um, and the performances were, of course, top notch. Jerry Ryan and Picardo were fantastic in this episode, um, just playing off each other. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think um, going back to what you were saying, it, it feels very much. I noticed it on this rewatch that it was very much a bottle episode. I think even the the opening shot of the ship over the planet was from Caretaker, and very little of. Uh, special effects or, or anything of, of that nature. But yeah, that, that human aspect often carries those stories through. And I, I think it's a delightful story. That being said, there were a couple of things I noticed. Um, well, the first thing I wrote in my notes when we were rewatching was, I think one of the first lessons Seven could have used is maybe learning consent, <laughs> like the opening scene where she's um, uh, kind of caught viewing um sort of watching over and taking notes on um, Bellana and Tom and their relationship. And, um, you know, they feel like it's it, the, what she's been doing is very invasive, um, even though she's been watching from afar. But and so uh, maybe that was one thing because she's so forward most of the time. But uh, yeah, <laughs> lesson a, little, one could have been a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lesson number one. Um, also, I think maybe the doctor's like first lesson is sort of this linear, like dating to marriage and talking a lot about procreation as opposed to just, I'm sure it was just like at the time, but like, you know, not really talking about just sex, but like framing it as procreation. I mean, I guess that's how seven refers to it, but I don't know. I was just like, you know, like, you know, you can have sex without procreation and a little bit of like, is a little bit narrow of a definition in my opinion, but that's really all I had to say about like mild critiques. <laughs> also, it's kind of very heterosexual based the whole time as well, except for the five sex, five sexes of species eight, four, seven, two. Yeah. That was a cool fun fact. <laughs> yeah. I noticed um, just completely apart from uh, the seven and doctor storyline, I'd been uh listening to Kate Mulgrew talking about Star Trek and I, I bought the celebration Star Trek book and how labor intensive uh, things were for Kate Mulgrew. And she must've had a whole seven days off for, <laughs> for this episode. Cause she was just right there at the beginning and right there at the, the very end. And they got to come in in their dress uniforms, which is always very fun to see. Um, Cause they didn't get to pull them out all that often on, on Voyager. So yeah, I was just like, oh, what a what a pleasant week this must have been for Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> I 
I also, I really loved her, even though it was just a small scene, like in the beginning with Janeway and seven talking in the captain's ready room and like how she's like, help me put on my pip. And like, they're having this kind of like conversation about like romance while just like helping like seven's helping her just like get her dress uniform on. I just felt like, like that's what I meant when I said like these understated sweet moments, I feel like that's just a, a really cool like illustration of how close the relationship has gotten over the, over the like couple of years that I guess at that point, like a little over a year that she's been on Voyager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it was really nice. I actually read that that scene was not in the original airing and it was really, yeah. Or, you know, it was filmed, but then like, I guess um, when it was originally aired that they, I don't know why, just cause you're mentioning that specific scene. Um, but then, of course, it's been added in for like DVD and release, you know, release later. Oh, well, I'm glad it's there. I like it. Agreed. Yeah, I like that scene, too. That's so interesting. I also read um, kind of going off of how this is like not a big sci fi uh, story that actually Robert Duncan McNeil had said that he was a little nervous going into this at first because he um, he wasn't sure if this kind of like what he kind of thought of as like a rom com plot would work in like as, a, as a, in a Star Trek episode. But um, but ultimately, he ended up. I mean, everyone, everyone involved really end up loving it. And it was a pretty popular episode overall. Like, I think he said, um, what he said, he said, it's a real actor show. And, and he felt partic- particularly excited as an actor kind of being able to be the one to like herald or like shepherd that this kind of an episode overall, like the experience was really nice. And was this, speaking of Robert Duncan McNeil, I know that Chez Sandrine was his holodeck program, Paris's holodeck program. I didn't remember that part of, I remember that she went on a date in the holodeck, but I didn't remember that it was Shay Sandrine. Is this the first time that they'd used that again since season two? It felt like it disappeared. You know, those holodeck programs come along in sort of clumps, whether it's sort of Fairhaven or um, the Neelix's tropical hmm. uh, holodeck program. And then it felt like, oh, they they brought back Shea Sandrine. That's uh that was fun. I don't know how long it was since we had last seen it, um, as far as going through the episodes, um, you know, back to back, but this is actually the last uh I read um on Memory Alpha, this is the last appearance of Shea Sandrine in the show, apparently. So the this is the last only, we see it. I get I feel like the last time I remember seeing it is uh in Twisted, where they all end up there as the mm-hmm. ship is sort of being transformed oh, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, twisted, I guess. It's <laughs> um, the best way to put it. But I, I couldn't remember seeing it since. Uh, so it was like, oh, it's a, a weird uh, throwback. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was really nice. It's a lovely backdrop for the episode because it's got that yeah sort of yeah French sort of romantic um, vibe going on, I guess. So. Uh-huh. And I loved Robert Picardo at the piano, just in earshot yes. and keeping, keeping an eye over everything. That was really fun. <laughs> yeah. He's so good. I, I know that he's, a, he's really musically talented in real life. Like, was he playing, is he playing the piano? Do you guys think? I Ooh. know that they did some of their own singing, it sounds like, but I'm not sure about the piano playing. I would, I mean, I would bet that Picardo was playing, but I don't know. Or at sure. least he knows how to, I'm sure. Oh yeah. 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 I don't know, you know, from, from the acting perspective, a, a lot of the time in situations like that, you, you have no noise on set so you can get the dialogue clear. Mm. So it, it might've been him just mm. pretending or he, they might've done a, a pass first time around where he played. Um, but then they would have had to do clean passes for sound so that they could, uh, get all the dialogue clean so they don't have to ADR afterwards and um, put recorded lines back into actors' mouths. 
Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, he. I, I, so I would. I would bet that he probably knew how to play it, but he. Yeah, they probably had to do that. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Those those scenes. Um, if you ever do like big party scenes or, or scenes with a lot of people in the background, they ask all the background actors to sort of mime conversations in silence or cheer or dance. Um, so if you're doing a scene in a dance club, which we we did for. For Dr. Death, you know, you have all these background actors dancing to nothing. Um, <laughs> and they'll play some music at the beginning to sort of get the beat so that everyone's sort of on a similar beat. Uh, and then, yeah, everyone is just silent screaming and dancing and cheering. It's it's kind of weird and fun. It's fun to think about. <laughs> it sort of reminds me of that video just show me this morning of Grease Lightning without the music. <laughs> oh, I just saw that. Yeah, it was so weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's fun to think about now that I'm like, well, next time I watch like a, a scene of a movie or a show with like music. So I guess launching into the relationship, unless we have anything else we want to say about. I also wanted to just say like, how about that? Uh, you are my sunshine scene. Oh, well, yeah. So good. Right. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so touching. I mean, it's gosh, my heart breaks for the doctor. Um, I know we'll talk more, you know, about the relationship, uh, and it's longevity or, or if it could have been something, but yeah, my heart breaks for him. Before we, I guess before we dig into the romance stuff, do you guys have um, like a favorite moment or a favorite joke or a favorite bit from this episode? I actually think I would say the dance scene between them. I really love the, you are my sunshine, but I think like, I don't know, there's just something about after um, Chapman's um, ligament gets torn and he <laughs> leaves the holodeck and, um, you know, Seven's feeling pretty bad about what happened. And the doctor's just like, here, like, let's go over dancing. You know, this is like a lesson we can do. But also, like, I don't know, they both stop talking for a moment. And they're just like, in the moment, dancing. And it's just so sweet. Very sweet moment. Yeah. That's my favorite. I like, um, there's a little scene with uh, Seven and Harry. As oh, yes. <laughs> she's talking about the, the sort of compatible crewmates and i thought it was a nice sort of throwback to earlier when seven was first introduced and and harry was sort of uh in not infatuated but um there was that kind of angle with with harry and seven where she's like remove your clothes and (laughs) him getting all flustered and i thought that was uh nice for him to still be like he can't even play i play the clarinet um that was kind of nice. I enjoyed that bit. Yeah, that was a fun callback. And <laughs> she's like, you are not on the list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I loved, um, I saw all those scenes are great. There's actually quite a bit of good stuff in this, but I really love the the moment when she's actually asking Chapman out on this for, on the first date. I just loved how like aggressively <laughs> she asked him, like, you will be punctual. <laughs> like you could tell she's kind of like compensating for her own nervousness, but it just, it just made me laugh. And the fact that he just thought it was like going to be an engineering exercise in the holodeck too. That was just a silly, I don't know. That made me laugh. <laughs> and she chides him for dropping she, his tool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a work hazard. Um, Dominic, I kind of want to ask you, uh, so like on the set of Picard, you worked a little bit with Jerry Ryan. Is that correct? I did. Yeah. So how does that like, go? like now having worked with her, um, like, I guess I don't know how closely you guys worked, but how does that color going back and rewatching like these Voyager episodes for you? Um, really nicely, actually, you know, sometimes I'm sure you've heard the the adage of like, never meet your idols. Mm -hmm. Um, but the Star Trek Picard experience was so delightful. Uh, I met Jonathan Frakes first and 
he stood up and threw his arms open and was like, welcome to the family. And, you know, everyone was so lovely and wanted to be there. And some of the wardrobe folks have been there since TNG and were really excited to be back. And, um, yeah. And then when I found out that Jerry Ryan was going to be in, it was like, Oh, oh my gosh, I love Floyd so much. Um, <laughs> and she was, I remember, uh, talking to another actor that was on set who wasn't familiar with Star Trek. So she was trying to give sort of the, the rough breakdown of her journey. And, and she was saying, and then we found this starship with a bunch of records and I chime in and be like, Oh, the Raven. Uh, and she'd be like, yes, that's right. And so it was, um, yeah, I was geeking out a little, but still very professional on my part. Uh, but she was lovely. She was so, so nice. Everyone was, it, it sounds so bland and so boring to, to say, Oh, what a wonderful experience. Everyone was so nice, but everyone was so nice. I don't think it's boring. It's actually really nice and wholesome to hear. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love that. Like, I love to hear that, like, the Star Trek sets are just pleasant places to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've heard, I mean, we think we've all heard, and perhaps you've experienced like horror stories um, of set experiences. And I don't know. Yeah. To know that the Star Trek sets um, in general are pretty positive and like welcoming yeah. and awesome. And that even mm-hmm. most of the actors are, you know, yeah. I mean, they're not their characters, but they're like, you know, just as cool in real life as. Awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, everyone is such an eclectic group of, of people and performers. Um, And yeah, it it, it was just a delight. And yeah, I've, I've had those experiences uh, where set is not pleasant at all. And, you know, you, you sit in the corner and you know your lines and you go to set and you say them and then you go home and and the job's just the job. But uh, yeah, Picard was was a really honestly a, a, one of my career highlights for sure. It's so nice to hear. And then, um, so that so then I take it that you said like it's just lovely to watch her. I go back and watch the Voyager episodes too, having gotten that little bit of an experience too, huh? Yeah, because I guess if someone's awful, then it sort of <laughs> colors your perception mm-hmm. of their performance on screen. So yeah, I'm so glad that she was so nice. That's so cool to hear. I will, we'll get, we'll get right to the love story, but I'm going to draw one more thing that I wanted to, I wanted to hear from you. I think, I think you told the story on Frankenstein's podcast, but, um, you had another experience with, I feel like you might've said it was, was it agents of shield where you met a Voyager? Was it Roxanne Dawson? I did meet Roxanne Dawson on agents of shield and I wasn't expecting to. Um, so that that moment took my breath away a little. Um, and it was such a small role and, uh, I'd auditioned for it and it was going to be a different director. And I got to set and a PA came along and was like, Hey, Dominic, welcome to set. Let me introduce you to, uh, your director. This is Roxanne Dawson. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hi. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything about it there in the moment, but at the end of the day, uh, I did say, Oh, Hey, I'm a, I'm a big Star Trek Voyager fan and this was delightful. And, Thank you so much. And again, she was so lovely and so pleasant. And um, I subsequently auditioned for her for what did I audition? I can't remember what show I auditioned for her subsequently, but it was maybe five, six years later. And she remembered that interaction. And yeah, just lovely, lovely people. That's so nice to hear. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Nicole, I pulled us off topic, but what? no, that's fine. <laughs> I love adding this is definitely it has a not, an awesome like coloring to this whole episode. It's what makes podcasts fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
one more little moment actually because um, <laughs> only because it's not going to play into like the relationship later but when uh towards the end of the episode when the Cody ambassador um they're in sick bay because he like passed out from drinking too much um and seven's in there as well and he's like assimilate me <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to laugh that at like, that yeah seven of mine oh my god oh yeah, yeah that's oh, a fun line Again, that B plot was kind of a fun like counter to like the the main story between the Doctor and Seven. <laughs> yeah, I liked how both of the B plots were almost things that you would you would normally see as B plots sometimes. So, or both of the both the both of the plots, I mean, were sometimes things you might see as both B plots in other episodes. So it's kind of nice to see those two paired. Like they were both very like very human character driven stories. So it was fun. Yeah. Okay, now we can launch into the, the relationship. Well, before we start, I guess. In previous episodes, I'd mentioned this is actually the episode after we'd watched it. This is why I even mentioned to Joe that we should start talking about love in Star Trek like in a podcast format because this one stuck with me like the next day. I think I was driving into work and I was thinking about this relationship or rather, I guess, what could have been or whatever you want to say. And uh, and I was like, this would be so fun to dive into. And, um, and I was like, you know, what about like other you know, all the other romance plots in, in Trek since it's such a human based story and love and romance is a huge part of the human experience. And yeah, so this was sort of the catalyst episode for starting this podcast to begin with. So I'm really excited. We're going over it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that you brought that up. You're like, we should start a Star Trek podcast. I was like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) And in this episode, you know, I mean, like, the relationship's kind of one-sided, right? I mean, like, I mean, they have a, a relationship and not a romantic-based one. Um, although that is kind of where the doctor in this episode seems to want to, you know, thinks that he wants to take it there um, while they're going over and he's teaching Seven about romance and everything and how to get a date and I guess how to keep a date because <laughs> I don't think it's very hard for her to get a date necessarily, but um, to to keep a date, which is really like the bet that her and him and Paris have about, about it. And, uh, whether or not it's, I don't know, I would still consider it a relationship. Um, even though it doesn't ever pan out, which I think is ideal. I don't think that it would have worked. And, uh, reading through memory alpha trivia, the writers agreed that it was not going to be like a, uh, a romance plot that was going to continue. Um, but I think that makes it all the more special for what it is. And yeah, it's really cool. Like, kind of in the middle of the episode, I think kind of during the dance scene, I noted like just how comfortable they are with each other. Um, because seven is very, it's funny to characterize her as nervous, but I think that you mentioned that earlier, but I think it's correct in that she is feeling nervousness and sort of this high pressure to, to perform and make these things work because she, you know, kind of struggles with these more human interactions um, after having been a part of the collective and she's still working through that and but they're very comfortable with each other you know he's like you can't tear my ligaments I don't have any ligaments to tear um, and like when they're singing together like it just feels it feels really natural and it, so it's easy to see why the doctor starts feeling the way that he does and also I think later talking about seven and emotions when she learns about the bet during the reception like it's clear she's mad and so that's really we don't see her very angry a lot of the time um, during Voyager. So I think that really says something to how much, you know, even though she's not viewing their doctor as a romantic partner, 
how much she cares about their relationship that she was mad that he he seemed to have taken advantage from her perspective he had taken advantage of of their relationship and and um what they were doing with the lessons yeah i um i i th- i think it's interesting this storyline and i think uh paris even says it himself it's the blind leading the blind because if you think about it the doctor's only been active and alive for five years and you know he, he had the i think it was in season three he had the the family that he created in the holodeck but he hasn't really experienced love long term or, or or anything to be able to to give lessons on on how someone <laughs> should love and act and date so it really is the blind leading the blind and i i think there's something so innocent about that, you know, that they, they are kind of both these, you know, non-human characters like, like Data and, and Odo who need to learn about humanity. And, and they're the ones that are, are going through this experience, which I, I really enjoyed. Um, and I, I don't know, I thinking about it, I think the optics of, because it's Robert Picardo and he's so much older than Jerry Ryan, I think if this was, if the doctor was a younger avatar that it, it might be more palatable and, you know, like, Oh, I hope they, I really hope they end up together. But because of that age difference, even though he's a, a hologram and only five years old, there's something that's like, Oh no, he's a teacher and don't, don't do it. But it's still so sweet. Does that make sense? Am I going off on a tangent? No, absolutely. You're cap. You're, perfectly encapsulating like a lot of the things that I have thought about this episode as well. The age difference, um, particularly, I mean, yeah, between it's really between the actors. Um, yeah. cause like you said, like in character, how would you really, you know, again, the avatar that is the hologram of the doctor is, you know, yeah, that age compared to what is supposed to be seven of nines, um, human age. But, um, I mean, really she's only been, I mean, I guess what she was uh, assimilated when she was seven, mm-hmm. approximately. So, I mean, they're both. Yeah, I'm not. You mentioned the blind leading the blind, uh, almost like two children trying to like explain and like learn about romance and dating from each other uh-huh. in a way. Yeah. So, but even though, yeah, you know, you didn't want it to continue and that it shouldn't have, and like you kind of agree with the ending. Again, I can't help feeling again like it's so bittersweet, and like your heart still breaks, even though you're like, I know this is how it has to end, but it is just so sweet. Like the relationship, it's, we just keep saying sweet, but that's just the best way to describe it. Charming too, I guess. And and even and like you all said, like they both um, haven't really had their experiences with relation or with romance before, and it's I think that's also what makes this episode so interesting, though. Like like Star Trek has had a history of having these great characters who are outsiders to like humanity and they view humanity through this outside perspective. And they give us these, these different lenses with which to look at things that we would kind of take for granted as the norm, just like something simple, like dating conventions or just the conventions of like a first date or what that looks like. And, 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 and we see that kind of with the doctor presenting that in such almost like a clinical fashion with like a, with like a slideshow, you know, or like his lesson plans. Like it's very, um, very by the book rather than, what some might say dating might has to become fl- like flow and flow naturally in some sense. And and there's a really cool scene moment between the doctor and seven, I think in, in Shay Sandrine where they kind of just share a moment about how they think 
some of the conventions of how you talk it on a date is just silly. And then I think seven says, I, that's why I appreciate you because you're, you're to the, you're to the point. You mm-hmm. make your point. You don't, we don't have to dance around these like uh, small talk or anything like that. So like the fact that they're inexperienced is, is, is one thing that they're trying to learn about it, but also the fact that they're outsiders and can kind of view the weirdness that, uh, that, that it all is um, in general. Like it's like, yeah, it is kind of a goofy thing that we do all this, like kind of like this ritual and this dance around the fact to kind of, make a first date happen shall we uh dive into our rating system yeah we can probably move on into that yeah yeah sure so dominic i did send. i think i sent you the our rating system i don't i hope i I like question myself if i explain it in a way that makes sense but uh but i questioned whether you did question always but i can (laughs) uh, (laughs) we can re-explain it of course uh hold on i'm trying to uh Yes. I, I had it this morning and I was like, oh no, here it is. Here it is. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I wanted to mix two of them, but we'll talk about that. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. So I kind of explained it well then. Awesome. I love <laughs> yeah. it. All right. So for those listening, we have a we have like a five point patent and rating system in which we sort of judge the romance in question in the episode or episodes that we're talking about. Um, starting at the lowest is a red alert, which means not so good. Yellow alert, slightly better, but still kind of a lot of red flags fascinating is something that we we like there's not enough of it it's not terrible it's not great but we're interested fully functional means it's uh it's it's a good pretty good relationship that we think will um will be positive with some with with some with some good elements and then of course the top of the scale is resistance is futile which just means just too hot to handle (laughs) so uh i i think i have something in mind and dominic sounds like you have something in mind nicole do you have something in mind yeah, I mean, I wrote it down last night. Well, who do you want to start? Okay, sure. Ladies first, I guess. Ladies um, first. I went with fascinating. Fascinating. I feel like it was a pretty, for me, it was a pretty easy, straightforward, fascinating. Um, because it really just bridges, I think I kind of explained it like a moment ago and saying that I know that it was not ideal for a long-term relationship or like to see it go anywhere. But I also feel like it wasn't, it wasn't like a bad toxic thing. Like no one was being, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of the manipulation, not manipulation, but I think she felt manipulated by the bet. But I think as the audience, we know that that definitely wasn't the intention. Also he apologizes and she accepts. And I think that that was like smoothed over. So I'm willing to kind of not really make that a part of my rating. Um, But yeah, and it, it literally, it was fascinating. Again, we're talking about two characters who, constantly are struggling or striving to understand humans and be human themselves. So I think it's very interesting that they both, um, you know, had this, uh, this, this episode played out and the doctor, you know, kind of found these feelings, um, but then didn't necessarily act on them, even though when he asked uh, Tom Paris's advice and Paris was just like, Oh, you got to just tell them. I think it was probably, best that the doctor kind of just kept his thoughts to himself this time. Um, and, you know, uh, and like she pointed out, you know, he was like, Oh, I think we've grown closer over the past few days. And, you know, we're more than colleagues. And she's like, yeah, we're friends. So she kind of established that like, you know, like, yeah, you're more than just the doctor, you know, the person who like checks my nanoprobes and everything like, like, yeah, like they definitely have a, a relationship. Um, and I think friendship is ideal at that, but, yeah, what happened in this episode, kind of the entertaining of like a romance was 
interesting and fascinating. Good answer. Good answer. Shall I go next? Sure. Uh, I am 100% on board. I think it's a fascinating as well. We finally agree. (laughs) We've never agreed on one yet. So, yeah, I give it a fascinating. I think um, uh, for much of the same reasons that you said, I gave it a fascinating. I think that um, I think this episode just just balance balances everything so perfectly in what I wanted to see from anything that this relationship could have been. And, and I know that we all felt like that kind of, that kind of odd element of that, like, Oh, he's kind of teaching her. That's, it's a little bit weird. The age difference is a little bit weird, but they just never felt like there was anything. Um, I don't know what to say. Nothing predatory there, nothing toxic that felt there. Like it all felt just so sweet and so genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just hard. I, I, I can't, I can't, criticize that really and and i think that the the choice of the writers to make this not a lasting thing is what makes what get, makes it a fascinating for me like if this would have been something that went over a few episodes i think it probably would have i guess depending on how the writers handle it um would have lowered my rating on it overall um but in terms of like i mean i know seven's had a few other relationships in the in in voyager and i think that um i really i, I just really appreciate this like their their candidness with each other their openness with each other like even if it didn't evolve into a romance, like I feel like this really like punctuated how, how important their friendship is. Yes. Um, And then, and I thought that was really powerful. I think at one point um, the doctor says, we're friends, right? And she, and she says, yes, we're friends. And, and, and I think thinking, watching this episode multiple times, that, that line means a lot more to me now, just, just giving how hard it is for her to kind of think about that. Like she's, she struggles to get close to other characters and other, other, people on the ship and struggles to feel like a connection and a family coming from the Borg to this. And that's been a big part of her arc. And to see that she's like, so will- she's willing to be open and to say that she's friends with the doctor is just, is powerful to me. Um, but, um, but that being said, like the, the openness that they feel with each other, it feels really natural that they would kind of, kind of almost flirt with those, those sort of romantic feelings. And I know seven doesn't feel it the same way, but the fact that the doctor feels it, given that he's programmed to be, and he's just evolved as a, as a being in a sense to be more of like an emotional um, entity. It, it seems natural that that would occur. And, and, and the way it was handled just, just felt perfect. It was tragic and heartbreaking, especially when we see the, the holodeck version where it works out well. Um, but it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice. It's just um, all around great. I think it's a fascinating um and I don't think it could be anything higher than that. I mean, maybe it could be. Dom, you'll make the case if yeah. you think so. But oh, I don't know. The case. Oh, there you go. I don't know if it could be any higher. But yeah, I don't. I give it. I gave it fascinating. What, what did you say? Um, well, maybe I did it wrong because um, I think nah, there's you no guys right or wrong. Were, were viewing it sort of as this sort of bottle episode on its own. In which case, I would agree it's fascinating. If it were going to move forward and develop then i would have said a real mix of red alert slash resistance is futile resistance is futile oh that's because, so interesting <laughs> because i feel like you know because i write as well i i think there's so many storytelling opportunities involved in in this relationship and what i think is is really interesting is um i'm so sorry if you can hear one of my cats shredding a suit <laughs> in the background okay. i'm so sorry for the audio <laughs> um what i think is is really interesting uh, you brought this up at the beginning was you know the the doctor says oh it's about procreation 
And then as this relationship develops, he's the one person on the ship, you know, in a heteronormative relationship that couldn't provide that for her. Um, Not that he has to provide, I said, I phrased that horribly, but you know, like he, he, he made it about procreation, but he's not physically capable of that. And then he develops feelings, I guess, without that consideration down the line and, you know, seven exploring her humanity and what it means to be human, developing a relationship with someone that's not human is, it, it feels so interesting to me. It feels so wrong again, because we mentioned, you know, that age difference, but I think like, Oh man, if that hollow avatar was Julian Bashir, then I'd be like, <laughs> Oh yeah, this, this could work. They could, they could figure something out. And there's something so interesting in watching characters want something, but they can never really get it or be happy or really be a, a true couple. Um, yeah, I think, I think it would be fascinating to explore because they're both such good actors as well. Um, so yeah, for me, it's red alert and resistance is futile, but for the purpose of just this one bottle episode, yes, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I feel like yeah, red alert and resistance is futile is definitely, I mean, if you combine those, yeah, you kind of get the middle ground. I'm so excited how you successfully made a red alert and a resistance is futile answer. Yeah. I don't know if we could ever do that. Another one. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, uh, I think, you know, if it had gone on longer, because there there are fun episodes with them together where the doctor goes into seven's body. And if they'd have been in a relationship of some sorts at that time, the, the things that could have sprung up out of, that I think that there's a lot of territory to explore, and I understand why the writers didn't do it. Um, but it would have been a fun alternate timeline universe peek at things. Maybe yeah. in the mirror universe, there's stuff going mm-hmm. on. Oh, yeah. If we ever would have gotten a Voyager mirror universe, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I mean, I think I, even the way you're describing it, I would have probably enjoyed this as a more of an arc than the Chakotay seven relationship. I didn't always love that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Well, even, um, even Harry Kim, I think would have been an interesting investigation if they'd have delved into that a little more, or even if in this episode, you, you know, again, from, from an acting point of view, the, the adage is that you don't give big series regular storylines to guest stars but with chapman that's a really nice guest star role and i i wonder what would have happened if seven had decided that harry was a candidate and what that would have brought up um i think that would have been an interesting angle too if it was harry instead of chapman on that date yeah that could have been really interesting actually yeah and you know then you you have that dynamic then with the doctor and uh and then because paris and kim are friends how that would have played out if oh yeah you know paris could have been like just throw it throw the date just do something wrong make it like make something go wrong and and then harry is torn between wanting to please his friend and wanting to have a nice date with seven i think that could have been fun but who no mirror universe yeah yeah a comic book someday could do it maybe yeah yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting. It's also um, also kind of interesting to note. I think um, I think uh, Nicole, you brought it up that there's like a sort of a heteronormative element to it, where it's only like men explored as another option for her. And I think, um, and I'm going to say spoilers for Picard. At the end of Picard, there was like a little tease that there might have been a relationship developing between Seven and Rafi, that character. Yeah. So that there seems to be, there's some added dimension to the character that we're seeing now that, and it might, and it's probably just because writers are able to do more, more things like that now in, in, in storytelling than they were maybe allowed to get, get through then. But it would have been nice if we could have seen less of a blanket, like, oh, which men would you want to date? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's something that's very of the time. Yeah. The nineties and, network tv and that's what's safe and and acceptable but also from from a character point of view if if she's learning her her humanity and she's still so new to all of this that i guess that i guess in the future not necessarily would be the norm but that that she hasn't explored or she hasn't really thought about the alternatives at that point um so in Picard, when she's exploring with Rafi, I think that's totally feasible and, and not out of character. I, I'd seen some chat room forums saying like, that's ridiculous because on the show she was with Chakotay. Um, but, you know, people grow and they develop and they change. Yeah, that's actually, that's a great point. Yeah, I like that. I'm excited to see where they take uh, her character in the next season. Oh, yeah. yeah, me too. One nice thing throughout this episode was how the how Paris was never fooled by the doctor like he just calls him out immediately he's like you you're developing feelings for her. You, you've you're you're feeling you're feeling that and um the doctor doesn't really he does try to deny it um at first um but then at, later on he's like yeah yeah okay i, I, I guess not really because even at the very end he's like if so he's like hypothetically if someone had feelings for someone <laughs> and paris is like just tell her <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah cut, cut the shit <laughs> yeah yeah i love that there was a small moment at the reception it wasn't a small moment. It was a small thought I had. I was at first, I wasn't sure if, you know, he's walking around with her there, you know, and she's kind of making jokes and, um, I don't know, like it felt almost like the doctor was like showing her off at first. And like, I had this little like feeling, I was like, that's not great. But I think what was really happening there was that the doctor was just really proud and he wants people to see, the seven that he knows because as they pointed out earlier, especially when she's contemplating, you know, um, who to attempt to go on a date with, uh, there's someone, you know, is talking about how intimidating, um, seven is for a lot of people, especially a lot of the other males on the crew. And, um, I think it was just this really nice way of the doctor trying to demonstrate like, you know, seven's not, you know, there's more dimensions to seven than what everyone else sees. And, um, that was another, moment that i found really touching and and nice um it was very it wasn't very obvious again like i was sort of like what is kind of going on here because he's he's kind of got that like proud dad kind of face on in a way and um especially when he's talking to paris he's like see like she's she's learning she's you know becoming like a multi-dimensional person not just you know a, a drone who's lost her collective so um Anyway, I thought that was really nice because at first I, I was not sure about it because at first it looked like he was showing her off. And then I was like, no, I think it's just he's like really happy that she, uh, with the growth that she's had. And, you know, he wants people to know that she's more than 
what they see on the surface. Great point. I wonder why Seven rejected Chakotay as a candidate when she was going through the crew manifest. <laughs> I would love to know uh, yeah. what it was about his record or <laughs> personality that she cast aside and why she changed by the time it got to season seven as to why he was acceptable. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Oh, wow. She kind of searched certain parameters, I guess, right? Um, after the doctor was like, you have to find or you, you know, find your interests and then see who aligns with those interests. So mm-hmm. maybe it has something to do with that where, I don't know, Chakotay didn't list some of those things as his interests or hobbies or I don't know. Maybe her interests grew. Yeah. What did yeah. she say her interests were? She said, I think she said astronomy, particle physics, and music, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> They're good interests. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> They're good interests. Uh, it was a good conversation. So do you have any final thoughts at all? Anybody? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I always, uh, you know, speaking as a, a gay man, I always get excited um, when Seven is put into wardrobe that is not the the skin tight catsuit. Um, mm-hmm. So in Shea Sandrine, it's always nice to see. Uh, or, or when her hair is is let down and put in a different hairstyle, I always think like, oh, that's nice. And I and I know, um, you know, Jerry was talking about it in Picard that she was just so excited to just be in casual clothing um, and just to be free and to be to be able to move and and breathe. Uh, so I was, I'm always like, oh, that's that's good. They put her in different clothes. Yeah, no, it was a sweet dress, and her hair did look awesome down. She was pretty. I mean, she is pretty all the time. But yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I love her gift. That was like my one last thing. It, uh, even though the hollow program that we were watching the doctor interact with at first, when the real seven comes in and gives him her gift and explains, you know, I was like, thank you mm-hmm. for for everything you did, and um. Again, sort of like you said, cements the how powerful it is the friendship that they have, Joe. Like you were saying, and I think that that is, I don't know, it's just amazing and awesome. And even though you do feel like the doctor's heartbreak at the end, I don't know, it's just, yeah, it just, it seemed like a perfect way to end it. Bittersweet, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Yeah. Before we, uh, I guess, end our podcast, uh, Dominic, you said you're you just finished. Deep Space Nine, is that correct? I did, yeah. I mean, uh, this was early on in the pandemic. I I went through <laughs> uh, I went through Deep Space Nine from beginning to end because I'd seen episodes, um, but when I was a teenager, um, Voyager and Deep Space Nine would be on different nights of the week, and so me and my dad would I'd be like Monday night is for me because I want to watch Voyager, and then he would have something else on on the nights that Deep Space Nine was on, so oh. I I could never watch. Um, as it was airing the same way as I could do Voyager. And because that was so much more serialized, um, it was just harder to, to track with what was going on with the Dominion War. And um, so, yeah, I wanted to sit down and really give my full attention to a, to a, a rewatch. And I loved it. Yeah, it's really rewarding to watch all the way through. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was I was going to ask. I think so. Nicole and I watch a lot of Star Trek together. Are you? Do you have someone that? Do you and your boyfriend watch Star Trek together, or is it just no? You, or? He hates it. Oh no! <laughs> I've been trying to get him to watch uh, Wrath of Khan for so long because I feel like that's the most. He's he's in the background now saying that he did. Um, he's <laughs> lying. He he came in while I was uh, finishing up watching Wrath of Khan. Um, but no, I have a, I actually have a group of friends. Uh, my friends Jeff and Carrie and, and Timmy and we play a Star Trek card game. And then uh, a few of us went to the Pantages Theater when they had the orchestra that was coming to play all the scores, which was amazing. So I, I have a group of Star Trek friends uh, who I'll discuss Star Trek with. That's awesome. I, I feel like I'm. We're we're always trying to get our friends and, and family members to, to to watch more Star Trek. The podcast actually has helped. People want to. People seem to watch a, little, a few more episodes because of the podcast, which is kind of uh-huh. nice. But it's always a. It's always. I make like lists of like, oh, here's a watch it, skip it guide. Just if you don't want to watch all of those, maybe you can convince Matthew to watch Wrath of Khan with me. Wrath of Khan is oh, a classic. Wait. I think he did an acting class where someone did the uh, Picard Lily scene from First Contact, and he said Ooh. that it was a really well written scene. We'll then uh, start with so first contact, maybe. Yeah, maybe that will be my point of entry. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, well, I have to thank you so much again, Dominic, for being willing to join us on the podcast. Yeah, of thank course. you so much. Yeah, anytime. Thank you for asking. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you come back on if in the future if you want to. It was, it was yeah, super fun. absolutely. Please let me know. Do you have anything um, you want to plug at all before you're going? Any social media or any projects you want to talk about? Sure. Yeah. Dr. Death is out on Peacock uh, this month. Um, And then Fantasy Island will be popping up on Fox, I guess, later this year. And uh, if you follow me on social media, just be prepared for a lot of cat content. (laughs) That's always great. Yeah. Yes. Always great cat content. We lucked out our cat sleeping right now. She is. She hasn't walked over the, the microphone at all yet. Oh, that's good. Uh, I think all of ours are, I think Nub Nub was ripping at the suitcase, uh, but all the others are asleep too. They do love the suitcases. They do. They do. All right. I guess uh, then that's probably all we have for you today, listeners. Uh, I think we're going to have a guest on our next episode as well. So stay tuned. Um, and if you want to leave us a rating, feel free to do so and find us on Twitter at DSLovePod. Otherwise, we will talk to you next time. Until then, live long and prosper. Love long and prosper as well. Won't you tell her, please, to put on some speed? Follow my lead. Oh, how I need. Over me.